Have you ever been in a room that was pitch black and filled with people? Everyone stumbling into one another. No one knows where they're going or what they're doing. This is not a picture of freedom, but one of deadly chaos. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 through 14 with our study leader, Dave Wurtson, and listen as the Apostle Paul challenges us about the contrast between walking in the light and walking in the dark. Everybody shut their eyes. The rest of the morning, you're going to have your eyes shut. Some of you are desperately craving coffee right now, and you want to go to the back. Now, just imagine that if all of us that are with our eyes shut, totally blind, we had to go for the coffee pot in the fellowship room. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? We're going to be slamming into each other, and what's going to happen? We're not going to make it. Every one of us take it for granted. It's kind of a gray day, but there's tremendous light that we've been enjoying ever since early this morning. When I get in my truck this morning, I flip on the lights. And even though it's real early in the morning, I'm driving with great big spotlights. There's none of us in our church family, for the most part, that are blind. And so we don't know what it is to not be able to see, to not have light. But as you have your eyes closed, I want you to realize that the Apostle Paul is saying that before you come to know Jesus, this is what your life is like. You're blind. That's what he's telling us. He's saying that we were dead in our sins. And he's also telling us that we lived in darkness. This is what it means to live in darkness. Your unbelieving friends are living in darkness. You live in a society that's living in darkness. Can you imagine how they can get around in their marriages? How can they get around in their everyday life? As people are living in the dark, our culture is saying there's no such thing as light. That your darkness is just as good as my darkness. And in fact, this darkness that we're living in is really light. That's what they're saying. Our culture is saying, like in sexual uh, relationships, there isn't such a thing as a husband and a wife being devoted to one another for a lifetime and keeping themselves from marriage. Because if you want to have sex with any people you want to, it's all just light. It's all just good. If you're a homosexual, then you can have relations with another homosexual and we'll all applaud you together because we're all living in the light. It's all just light. The Bible's saying, no, it isn't. The Bible's saying that there are standards, that you don't just make up what is light. You don't just make up what is right. The Apostle Paul, when he walked in the city of Ephesus, everybody had their eyes closed. Everybody was in the dark. And the Apostle Paul did an incredible thing. Now I want you all to open your eyes. The Apostle Paul, when he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, he turned on the lights. And therefore, you could start to see one another. You could start to relate to each other. This was the incredible good news. Some of you that have Jewish friends know that the high point of their year is really Hanukkah these days. It used to be the Day of Atonement, but now it's Hanukkah because of the relationship to Christmas. And our high point in our calendar is Christmas. And that's when we give gifts to each other, the birth of Jesus. Our Jewish friends correspond that to Hanukkah. Now, what the Festival of Lights was in Hanukkah is in the the Maccabean Revolt. You've all heard this story. Judas Maccabee was able to rise up, throw Antiochus Epiphanes and his armies out of Jerusalem. They were able to go back into the temple, were able to repurify the temple. The menorah light, miraculously, the oil didn't run out. And the candlelight kept burning for eight days. And they celebrate those marvelous miracles of the eight days when the lights keep burning. 
And what they would do, they would have a gigantic menorah. In fact, they talk about it in Josephus. You can read about them climbing up ladders to get up to this menorah. And at night, on the nights of the Hanukkah, they would climb up these ladders and they would fill these great big candlestick holders with oil. And they would have a wick coming out of that. And they would light these gigantic candelabras. You can imagine the pageantry of that in, in the holy temple in the, with thousands upon thousands of people gathered together and this gigantic, beautiful Jewish menorah would shed forth light and the people would sing praise to Yahweh. Jesus, when he was here on earth, the next day stood up and in that very courtyard he said, I am the light of the world. And that's why the Jewish leaders crucified him. Because he had the audacity of saying, I am the Messiah. I turn on the lights for mankind. I am the one that show you how to walk in your married life and how to walk sexually and how to walk in your language and how to tell clean jokes and how to have good humor instead of being in the darkness of double entendre and telling dirty stories and cursing the name of God. I'm the one that turns on the light and helps you to praise God. I'm the one that helps you to turn on the light and tell the truth. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And those that follow me will never walk in darkness. And that's the message the Apostle Paul proclaimed in Ephesus. He turned on the lights. It's really important for you to ask yourself, have the lights been turned on in your life? It's really an important question. Are you still walking in darkness? You see, the Bible teaches us that we're not born in the light. The Bible teaches that we're born in darkness, that we're, that we're born dead, and unresponsive to God. But the Bible also teaches us that the loving daddy in heaven, like we learned last week, wants to love every one of us as if we were the one and only child. The heavenly daddy, contrary to what unbelievers think, is not against them, but he gave his son to die for them. But what he doesn't do is just say, well, everything is fine. You can live any the way you want to. What the heavenly father does is says, no, you're really in a bad condition. You're living in darkness. You're stumbling over everything. You're going to die. And you got to realize that. You can't just say, well, everything is relative. It isn't just relative. He's the one that sets a standard. And we're living in a deadly arena. And what the gospel tells us is that when we face the reality that our lives are dark, that our lives are evil, that our lives hurt one another, that our lives are worthy of death, then we can open our hearts to the good news. And the first question the Apostle Paul wants to share this from the book of Ephesians is, had you come to that moment of enlightenment, have you come to that moment when Jesus turned on the lights in your mind? As you sit here this morning, is there a part of you that as I'm speaking to you says, I love Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want him to control my life. I want him to guide my life. I'm so thankful that he stretched out his arms on Calvary for me. Or are you living in animosity towards him? Or just antipathy towards him? I just couldn't care. If you're still living like that, then it's very possible that you're still a child of the darkness. Because that's the way that it works. What the Apostle Paul is telling us is that there's children of the light, and the children of the light manifest light. And that's what we're going to learn in the passage today. What he's saying is that the children of the light, they live in the light. There's evidence that they're living in the light. There's actions that flow from that. Those that are in the dark just keep stumbling around. 
My brother Ron and I used to play a game when we were little kids. We'd shut our eyes. We'd all get in a blanket. Maybe some of you did it. We had a, you know, I had my brother Ron and I, and we'd get a bunch of our friends. We'd all get in a blanket, one of these big heavy wool blankets that was dark in color, and we'd close our eyes. We'd all get in that blanket, and we'd tie it real tightly around us, and then we'd roll down the stairs. Because we live in these big double-story buildings. Anybody ever done that? I mean, we thought that was the coolest thing. As little kids, we would roll down the stairs in pitch darkness. And often I think about our society. It's like a society that's in a great big blanket, and we're all tied in together, and we're all in the dark, and then we go plowing down the stairs thinking, man, this is a great ride. Well, it was idiotic. I mean, we would, we would, we would have bruises all over us and get black eyes. I mean, it was absolutely absurd. And you can imagine my, mom, my dear mom trying to raise sons like that that were doing that kind of crazy thing. But I often liken our society to a bunch of people in a great big blanket where everybody's saying everything is great, but we're killing each other. We're slam dunking each other. We're bruising each other. And as evangelical believers this morning, the Apostle Paul comes into our life and says, no, you're a children of the light. The blanket's been taken off. Jesus has turned on the lights in your life. And his big issue this morning is, I want you now to walk as a child of the light. You see, the Apostle Paul was attacking a doctrine that has permeated the evangelical church of America today. You see, there's a whole belief in the evangelical churches, I received Jesus. I know Jesus is my Savior. I invited him in my heart. And I believe in the resurrection. Sure, I believe he, the empty tomb is empty. And, and I've invited Jesus to come to live in my life. And I've got my ticket to heaven. Man, it's in my pocket. And so I'm going. But I want to have a really good time before I get there. So sure, I sleep around with women and, you know, I look at the pornography sites and I curse and I tell dirty stories. In fact, if I were to follow the life of this kind of a believer during the week, I couldn't find any evidence that they were a believer. And they even tell me, Dave, I'm an example of God's grace because I've been saved by grace and I'm sinning bountifully and the more that I sin, the more Jesus' grace is going to explode in my life. Everywhere Paul went, false teachers gave that kind of a message. There's two dangers you're going to face in your life. One is the danger of legalism. And that's the belief that you get closer to God by obeying a list of external rules and regulations and you perform for God and he will bless you. That's Phariseeism and that was the great danger that came from Judaism. The other side of the coin is the great danger of license. A church like ours is very much in danger not of legalism but of license. License is the belief that now that you've come to Jesus everything is covered so you can now live any way that you want to. In the first century, they face both of those evils. And they're cunning. And for 2,000 years, Satan keeps trying to get us with legalism and with license. And the Apostle Paul is very concerned about the Ephesians because they're living in paganism. I taught you last week, they were living in a culture where there wasn't any debate in the public square. It was an immoral society. Socrates, the great philosopher of the Greeks, wrote one of the most beautiful descriptions of love that's ever been written. And Plato gives this incredible dialogue where Socrates and a bunch of his buddies talk about love. And as they're talking about love, they take the discussion into, into very intimate, very powerful details. 
But it was about homosexual love, not about a love between a man and a woman. You would think as you were reading it, it was a love for a man and a woman, but it wasn't. It was a love that a, a teacher had for a young boy. Because in Greek society, if I was mentoring you, younger boys, it would be normal to have erotic sexual relationships with you. So don't think there's nothing new under the sun. That's with Greek society, 300 years before Jesus came. And some of the most beautiful poetry, some of the most beautiful theater was written along homosexual lines. Nothing new under the sun. And that was the society that the Apostle Paul was living in. The men thought nothing of going with prostitutes. It's in, in Athens, they built a beautiful temple to Athena on the proceeds that they got from prostitutes. They raised the money. Instead of having a lottery, they had a prostitute ring. And they, they, the men all contributed. So don't feel as a parent, well, things have never been this bad. Oh, yes, they have. They've been really bad. There wasn't even any debate in the first century. There was no focus on the family. There was no Billy Graham. But there was Paul. And he came in with a message, and it was a message of light. It wasn't a message of compromise. It wasn't a message that messed around. It was a message that declared the incredible truth. Jesus has come to the world to be the light of the world. He set us free. The Apostle Paul comes to the church of Ephesus and writes them a letter. He says, my brothers and sisters, I don't want anyone to deceive you. And I don't want any one of you to be deceived. I don't want any one of you to live under Satan's con. I love you. Man, I'm getting on the tail end of my life. I've already done all a bunch of stuff. I want the young people. I don't want you to have to screw it all up. I don't want you to have to mess it all up. I don't want you to listen to false teachers. I want you to listen to, to wisdom. I want you to, to listen to what is light. And so the Apostle Paul begins to repent and says, Don't be deceived. Look at it in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, don't be deceived. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to try to tell you this week stuff that isn't true. It's not going to add up. It's empty. The Apostle Paul loves you enough to say, don't let somebody lie to you. Don't let them deceive you. Don't believe gunk about life that's not true. He says, he says don't let anyone deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes upon such things, upon those who are disobedient. And the Apostle Paul is crystal clear about this. It's where we ended last week. I want you to know something. Your heavenly daddy, sexual immorality. One day, people will be in hell because of sexual immorality, because it hurts families so badly. When little children have a daddy that comes home and say, I don't love your, your mom anymore. I love my secretary at work more. And, they, and that daddy tells them, it's no big deal because I still love you. And we have to follow our desires, and it's okay. And that little child is scarred and hurt and doesn't know how to trust anybody because the one man that should have been present in their life every night the way they went to bed is no longer, no longer going to be in the, in the home. In order for that to be paid for, there's going to be hell. That's what Jesus is saying. The wrath of God. Because there's a loving, almighty, just God that says that's wrong. Bishop Robinson, he left his wife and his kids because he says, I've got to be me. And he says, I have a homosexual lover. And isn't this from heaven? And isn't this glorious? Because now I have my true meaning of my life. 
The scripture says, I didn't create families where a man makes love with a woman, generates children, and then a few years later decides that he's something else and he abandons the home and then everybody applauds and claps and says, isn't this great? There's a judge of the universe that says, you destroyed my family. You destroyed my design. You laughed at the way I, I made things to be. You messed up one of the most beautiful, holy things imaginable. And God isn't being mean. God isn't being vindictive. It's false teaching to say that the family isn't a holy thing. It's false teaching to say that it's not sacred. Man, I've raised four kids. My kids need to know that I'm going to be a faithful, loyal daddy. Don't you tell me if I suddenly tell them I'm going to go leave Mary and shack up with another guy. It's not going to hurt them. Come on. That's deception. That's lying. It's from hell. And that's where your society is. And it's not just homosexuality, it's all those kind of sins. If I go into Carolyn's Cafe this week and I'm telling dirty stories, you hear me preaching about Jesus Sunday morning, but I'm telling dirty jokes, what are you going to think of me? What's that going to do to the little kids that, that, that call me Pastor Dave? All of you would be horrified at that. Well, every one of you is just like me. You've all got the label, child of God. That's why the Apostle Paul is so strong. He says, don't be deceived. The wrath of God. Our heavenly daddy is holy. The evangelical church has forgotten about the holiness of God. We have a righteous God of light. And in him is no darkness of all, at all. And that's why there had to be the cross. That's why there had to be Jesus' pain and agony and suffering. Because that was the only way that the horror of sin could be destroyed. So don't ever get in bed with sin. Don't ever cuddle sin. Don't ever make excuses for sin. It's darkness. It's not the light. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, don't let anyone deceive the Ephesian believer. Don't let anyone deceive you. Your heavenly daddy will judge those. Now, if you're a child of God, you're not going to face eternal damnation, but you will face the discipline of your heavenly father in this life. If you screw around sexually, if you're a dirty storytelling person, if you lie, if you cheat, if, I, if you get angry and filled with hatred, your Heavenly Father is going to shake your life up because he loves you. There's going to be consequences. It's going to hurt your life terribly. And your Heavenly Daddy is coming to you and says, I, I love you. Turn away from that. You've got to be different. You can't live like that. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, you are now children of the light. And then he says, act like it through the power of the Spirit. Saying, you are children of the light. Act like it. Because you've got the power of the Spirit. And he talks with us in the next verses about our new identity. I say, well, how can I do that? He says, because you have a new identity. He said, look at verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Some of you are saying, well, Dave, I feel so badly about my past. I feel so badly about some of the things that I've done. Bobby Farmer was a normal guy. Bobby Farmer went into the Navy. Didn't live for God in the Navy. Got involved in relationships with a woman he shouldn't have got involved with. They had a child that went home to heaven early. Screwed up. Away from the Lord. Wasn't living for the Lord. Just like a lot of you. And Bobby could have said, well, I've, just, I've lived in the darkness. What's the use? I'm out of living in the darkness all the rest of my life. Just like a lot of you. Some of you were thinking that this morning. I'm just, everything's just dark. 
So I'm just going to live in the dark. And you're going to, whee, at least I'm a, I'm a, a purebred dark person. I live in darkness. I live in evil. I live in what's against me. The Apostle Paul is saying, no, you once were in darkness. That's, those are incredible words. You once were in darkness. I want to look at every one of you. Some of you used to live in darkness. So did I. We used to live in darkness. And I don't want any one of you to stop there. You, you used to live in darkness. But the Apostle Paul says, but now you're a child of the light. Amen. I want you to know that the moment you came to know Jesus, if you genuinely received Jesus, your identity changed. You are no longer an alcoholic. Don't you ever stand up in a meeting and say, I am an alcoholic. You stand up in a meeting and say, I, in my own nature, am an alcoholic. Totally impotent, totally weak. No way I'll ever turn away from alcoholism. But now, through the power of the resurrected Jesus, I am a child of God, filled with light, totally set free. And I'm going to walk in my new identity. That's what Paul is saying. You once were in darkness, but now you're a child of the light. You're going to act like who you think you are. I'm going to act like who I think I am. If I act like a child of the darkness, then I'm being faked out. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying that when you came to Christ, that the whole point throughout this whole book, when you came to Christ, Jesus is the only Savior in all the world that can change your identity. Nobody else can do that, but Jesus can. Jesus can change your identity. He makes you a new, eternal person. Bobby Farmer came back from the Navy, reconnected with Jesus, decided he was going to be a child of the light. I used to walk in darkness. Bobby had no chance at all from a human standpoint. His daddy died when he was a little tiny baby. He never had a physical daddy that held him in his arms and loved him. His stepdaddy, you know what Bobby's stepdaddy told him repeatedly? You're a jerk. Your sister's going to amount to something, but you're an idiot. You're not going to amount to one hill of beans. Bobby would draw things on a sheet of paper, and his dad would go, that bit stupid. Bobby was a poet. In his memorial service, the poem that was on the, on the program was Bobby's poem. He's a gifted, gifted runs in their family. They, Eric is a poet. His daddy said, that stinks. Can you imagine having a daddy? Great, great. That really enervates your child. How stupid could you think you could ever make poetry? After the service, remember I told you about the one and only son? Bobby broke down in the sharing time and said, I have such a hard time believing that my heavenly daddy really loves me. Because I talked about how your earthly daddy, you earthly daddy, are so powerful. And when your daddy died, and when your stepdaddy tells you you're a jerk, you're never going to amount to anything. That's a powerful influence. And Bobby was weeping, and the, the sharing time group gathered and prayed for him. They asked the Lord Jesus, oh, Heavenly Daddy, just pour your love. We've been wrestling with this. We want Bobby to know the love of the Heavenly Daddy. That's what we were talking about last week. You might have been all screwed up by your earthly family. You might have had a mom that rejected you, a dad that rejected you. But what this text is telling us is that you have a heavenly daddy who now, through the power of Christ, says, you are now my one and only son. You are a child of the light. You're in your true identity. You are now not a son of the darkness. You're not an idiot. You are now a son, a daughter of God. And it's all by amazing grace. That's the incredible good news that Jesus gives. You are now light in the Lord. Therefore, live as a child of the light. What happens when you live as a child of the light? Well, light produces fruit. When you shine light upon grapevines, they produce 
grapes, marvelous grapes. I have several grapevines in my backyard, and so far I haven't had very good success with it. But if I was over in Israel when Jesus was teaching and when the Apostle Paul was teaching, they were in a climate that was like Northern California, just super for grapevines. And so they were talking about, here's this marvelous vineyard. And Jesus loved to talk about his people being like uh, the, the grapes that grow out of him, the vine. What are the fruits that Jesus generates in our life? He says, for the fruit of the light, this is what happens. When we walk in the light, it produces goodness. That's in contrast. What is badness? It helps me to think, you know, how do I know what goodness is? Think about what badness is. Goodness is the opposite of badness. You know what goodness is? Goodness is overcoming our anger. Remember we learned if we're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down upon our wrath. So as Bobby Farmer and Sharon came to be in our church family in 1989, they came up here on a day a lot like this. It was rainy, icy, even worse than this. It was Tim Wallace's very first Sunday with us, with Becky. And the only reason Tim came, he was afraid he was going to get fired. So Tim was here, and Bobby and Sharon Farmer, Dave Lowry, met him at the door. A couple came up from Venus. That's kind of a man he was. Bobby decided, the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The scripture says if you're a child of God, then you connect with God's family. And here's a humble man. He mixed colors for paint. By the way, he's one of the best eye coordinator with colors in all the area. And the scripture tells us that we need to work with our hands. He was a great model for that, guys. I had painters come up to me after the service and say, I just want you to know, I don't know what I'm going to do without Bobby. I need his eyes. What a testimony. But you know one of the reasons Bobby decided, like on that cold day, he was here. He could have easily said, well, man, I'm living in a trailer down in Venus. I can't get up the road. And I'm not saying that that would be a bad choice, but Bobby showed me as a pastor teacher right there, Bobby was going to be committed to the family of God. As I look back over Bobby's life, I'd been at community group meetings at the Ashleys. You know who was there? Bobby and Sharon were there. Eric and Ginger were just little kids when they came in that 1989 day. We raised their kids. They came up through the youth group. I remember one day sitting in my office. We had had an all-night thing. I share with some of you that were at the funeral, I share with this. But it's really an important thing because some of you are going to face choices just like this. And I want to show you what goodness is. I want to show you what righteousness is. I want to show you what truth is. Tim had taken the teenagers with Becky and a bunch of other youth workers. They went on an all-night thing. And Eric and Josh Green were on the thing with us, and there were 52 and two other kids joined the group. At, it was one of these deals where you went to one activity, and then you went to another activity, and then you went to another activity. And in one of those switches, we lost Eric and Josh Green, which is a no-no if you're in youth ministry. And Bobby loved Eric. He loved his kids. And Sharon loved their kids. And they were ready to fry Tim and I. You ever been there as a mom and dad? That church family doesn't care. That church family, if it would have been Dave Wurtzen's kids, man, it wouldn't have happened there. If it would have been one of Tim, Nate, Tim wouldn't have left Nate. All those things were coming out. But you know what? Bobby, unlike other people I know, they don't understand the importance of God's people. Bobby was angry. And husbands, you're going to get angry. Because as we bump each other and as we hurt each other, as we live together, I guarantee you, Mary and I are going to do something that ticks you off. Because we're human. 
And some of you are going to decide, I'm out of this church family. And you're going to go and sit in your trailer house, turn on your TV. You're going to watch Charles Stanley every once in a while. And you're never going to run your race strong. You're going to be alone. But Bobby didn't do that. He sat in my study. He poured out his anger. He said, Dave, I just can't. I can't believe you would do this. I looked at Bobby and says, Bobby, you know Tim and you know me. Listen, we didn't leave Eric on purpose. Good night. Amy Green was on the trip with us. Do you think we left? She left Josh. It's an honest mistake. It's a mistake that should never happen. And I'm sorry that it happened. Will you forgive us? Bobby Farmer began to cry. Never forget it. Through the years of my ministry, through the years of the ministry, there's a whole bunch of you that I have been with you when you've been really angry, when you've been filled with, I got to get out of here, I got to leave. And what I look for is when we really talk and we share, do you break? You know what goodness is? Goodness and righteousness and truth is when Bobby, the tears rolling on his face, he stood up and he walked over to Tim and said, Tim, how could I ever have thought you didn't love Eric? I know you love Eric. He came over to me and he hugged me and says, I know you love Eric. I know you guys didn't mean to do that. How could I ever have thought that? Will you forgive me? And there was healing. There was reconciliation. Was that important? Yeah. It was really important. Really, really, really important. Because the fruit of a life lived in fellowship with God is righteousness and goodness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Don't have anything to do with darkness, but rather expose them, expose them for it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is what it's saying. Some of us are asleep. Some of us are asleep. Some of us have gotten angry. Some of us have gotten hurt. Some of us have gotten disappointed. Bobby is just a humble painter. That last Sunday night, as I got settled in my easy chair, the telephone rang and Ginger's filled with terror, says, David, you got to, daddy's having a heart attack. Where are you going to go? And they rushed him to Ugly Hospital. Mary and I jumped in the car, I got over to Ugly, and man, they did an angiogram real fast. They put in a stent. The cardiologist came out and said, you know, we think we have things stable, but the next 24 hours is really significant, and we got the prayer out to you as a church family. Mary and I, the, the, the physician said that everything's all right in intensive care, so we got in our car, came back home. We got in the covers just about 12 o'clock. The phone rang again. They said, man, you got to get right back. We jump in the car again, go back, and when we arrived... The chaplain of Ugly Hospital was sitting there with Sharon and Ginger, and Bobby was gone, home to glory. He was gone. He was right here with us last Sunday. In the bathroom, he was talking to me about, Dave, I'm going to grow a beard just like you, and he was all proud about his whiskers on his chin. And now I had to put my arm around his widow and his son, tell his son in Hawaii that Bobby's gone. You know, about an hour later, the chaplain came over and said, what do you guys have? The presence of God has been with you. He looked at Sharon. He looked at Ginger. He said, what do you guys have? Turned out he was a Brazilian kid, 
goes to Southwestern Seminary. And he said, I felt the presence of Jesus here. At the Wayne Bowes funeral home, as you guys were ministering to Sharon and Ginger, Bobby's sister pulled me on the, on the sleeve and said, Pastor Dave, you've taught your people really well. I said, no, I didn't teach my people really well. The Holy Spirit taught the people really well. She said, I just want to tell you, I had almost given up on church. I forgot what church can be. But over the last four days, I saw what God's children can really be. Wednesday night, we were all upset. What are we going to tell the Cubbies? You know, man, Mr. Bob, he'd been with him the Wednesday before. All the little Cubbies love him. So all the Cubby leaders were all upset about what are they going to say to the Cubbies. And this is what Connor Wentz asked why his mom was so sad. And Connor's reply was, Mr. Bob has gone to heaven to be with Jesus. Did I miss the trumpet? Madeline Watson had a conversation with, about Mr. Bob at the Cubbies and his pink shoes. And when Melissa and Robbie talked to her about Mr. Bob dying, she said that Mr. Bob went to heaven and Jesus took him by the hand to God. But Mr. Bob was going to be at Cubbies and they were going to talk about pink shoes once again. Madeline Reynolds was praying. Madeline prayed, well, God, Mr. Bobby is in heaven. I hope you're having fun with him. Chad was talking about going out for Valentine's Day with Leah and said that her parents could watch the kids. And Will said, I want Ginger to watch me. Leah said, I know, Will, that you want Ginger to watch you, but she can't because she will be sad. She just lost her daddy because her daddy went home to be with Jesus. Will said, why? Why would she be sad? Mr. Bob is in heaven, just like we should be, okay? He's in heaven. To be closed this service today, don't miss it. Here's a humble man. That's why I wanted to take the time out this morning. Bob didn't have a PhD in theology. Bob didn't have a lot of money. But Bob made some really wise choices, and I want you men to make those same kind of choices. I can tell you one story after another where Bobby could have said, I don't fit into this church socially. We can't have care group in our home because we don't have as big a home as someone else. Bob and Sharon never made those lousy choices. They had their care group into their home and their care group loves them. His pole bearers was his community group men. And they all took time off for work, and they wouldn't have missed it for a million dollars because they needed to be there to honor their friend. And they wept. Guys, I want to speak especially to you as guys. Some of you guys are just normal guys like Bobby. Bobby chose to walk in the light. He's not perfect. He wrestled with anger. Every son rejected by his dad wrestles with anger. Bobby lives across the street from the Venus prison. From a psychological human standpoint, Bobby should have been in the prison because that's the story that most of those guys in the prison have. They have a daddy that died or never showed up. They have a daddy that told them they were a jerk and they would never amount to an ill of beans. But Bobby Farmer was never in the Venus prison by a million miles. He was a godly, loving husband whose wife cherished him with kids that stood up at his funeral and said, I want to be like my dad. And one of the basic things that Ginger and Eric said about their dad is he loved Jesus and he loved his church family 
and he loved his cubbies. And Bobby was talking about last Sunday morning, I want to be like Dave, and I said to the people on Friday, I'm going to say it again, when I die, I want to be like Bob. He ran really well. He didn't up out on God's people. He didn't let anger take him away from God's people. He faithfully worked with cubbies. And I just want you to know that from an eternal perspective, the lights are on. The lights are on. Because if Bobby can love Jesus and walk in the light and let the light of Jesus shine into that darkness and help him to be faithful to his precious wife, to be a great dad to his kids, to help his kids come to know Jesus, then so can you. You've got to decide. You're going to be a child of the light. You're going to be the child of the darkness. As we close this service, I pray that some of you men will say, man, I've been kind of living in the gray areas. I'm living in the gray. And as we close this service, I want you to step over into the light. Some of you kids have been raised in our church family since you're little kids. You're just playing in a gray area. I want you to decide. You're going to live in the light. You're going to live all the way for Jesus.